Hello everyone, we are back again. My name is Tamon Kiertan, Senior Journalist for XR Today, and we are bringing you the latest and greatest from VR, AR, and XR industries. Today we have on two amazing guests we just had a chance to listen to today. Uh, we have Freya Sewell, she is a multidisciplinary designer for XR, and also we have on Amelia Coleman, she is a futurist speaker and the host of the XR Star. So, welcome aboard, and it's a pleasure to speak to you today. Thank you so much for having us. All right. Brilliant, brilliant. We're going to kick this off. We're going to start with the first thing. Um, so Freya, uh, you had a very, very good talk to um, like an audience of people today. And I wanted to ask you a little bit more about your work. So could you tell us and go into a few more details about your work and I guess the central themes behind your designs? Mm. So there are, I would say, two the central themes in my work science fiction and biophilia and then i'm human so it's kind of three my work is consistently about bringing balance between human nature and technology um kind of feels like i think many of us might feel that there are some disbalances right now um and we need to bring things back into a more more balanced state i don't believe in perfect anything but a more balanced state um i do a lot of biophilic design consultancy and thinking and that's really specifically looking at not just sort of nature as as a pretty thing that's out there but the systems underneath it how it interacts with us how it interacts with our dna and how we can make design that utilizes all that incredible research Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, and um, Amelia, I was going to ask you a quick question as well. Um, how are things going with the XR Star? Oh, I know you've been at uh, quite a few events these uh, past few months. Yeah, no, very good. Thank you. Yes, um, I have a new podcast coming out next week that's going to be all about holograms. And then obviously we talk a lot about generative AI because that's basically the biggest thing that anybody wants to talk about these days. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so everything's going good there. And uh, and I was so proud of Freya's talk today at the F Cyberpunk <laughs> event that we did, which was really around how we can bring women and uh, other non-patriarchal groups into the conversation around how we design the metaverse and what it is and what it means. And, uh, and I'm a big advocate for inclusivity in this respect. And I am just blown away by what Freya has to say about it. And she's uh, opened my eyes to some things. And, uh, and I really hope that people were inspired and, uh, and went away empowered to continue these conversations within their own communities. Right. Yeah, and it's great that we have these these kind of discussions, you know, to raise these types of new questions up. Uh, one of the things I love to explore with, um, I guess, the XR industry is the, you know, the themes of ethics, of different kinds of philosophies, different ways to perceive it, because this is a kind of perception that we're bringing to the rest of the world. And um, also some very good questions as to how we can include everyone in it as well. So, yeah, hats off to, to you both. We're going to go ahead and start with the first main topic. Uh, so we talk about cyberpunk, which is uh, one of the central themes of your conversation for today. So what does it represent to you? And why do you believe that it has adversely affected the conceptualization of Web3 and the metaverse? So even though the title of our talk was cyberpunk, I actually kind of love cyberpunk. I love Ghost in the Shell. I love Akira. No one is denying that these are provocative, incredible, imaginative visions when they first came out. What I mean by that is that 
I am, oh my God, I, I'm just so bored. It's really that simple. I am so bored of cyberpunk. We've been doing it for ages. It's overtaking other things that I love, like Star Trek, and I'm just not having it anymore. Like, I'm just thinking that we as a species have so much creativity that is untapped, so much creativity that hasn't yet gone into the mechanism. And when it does, we can definitely move past cyberpunk. You know, anyone who has read the material understands that cyberpunk is not a world that we want to live in. It's a dystopic future defined by inequality, and it's not somewhere that we want to be. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and thinking about what, you know, we've been doing these days, even with, you know, the technology that we have to date, it, it's, um, excuse me, it's um, basically, we have a lot of things in our world where they you know, they do create disparity and inequality. And with the advert of, um, with the advent of chat GPT-4, we're going to see quite a bit more of that down the road, you know, as AI becomes more and more intelligent, you know, more and more jobs will be displaced. So, um, yeah, I think that it's, it's good that we kind of show the human side of it, or at least we show how these technologies can work in our favor. And um, have you seen any specific examples that you know of to date? Of what? Sorry. Sorry. Have you seen any examples of uh, technologies that are working in favor of humanity rather than just against it or creating more inequality? Um, yeah, I think that we rightfully focus, um, you know, just with the Internet off like, the, you know, we rightly focus on the damage being done because it has been um, real and we're beginning to sort of wake up to the hangover of the damage that's being done to young people um, and the systems themselves. But I also think the fact that we can have conversations like this is the Internet. The fact that someone, um, you know, in the far flung corner of the world can put their creativity online and have it be picked up by someone else who's interested in it. That is a new, incredible thing. You know, the gatekeepers that we used to have of, of editors, of um, the, the gallery owners, they have been disrupted and we focus on the negative sides of the Internet wisely. But those are all happening all the time. There is. I, I really believe that technology, particularly when it moves towards communication, when it is about really connecting more people up to have useful conversations with a reality, not, you know, there's not just all connection, but connection that has a context and that can be positive. Um, that's technology. So absolutely, it's good, it's good for us as well as bad. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, Amelia, what are your thoughts on that as well? Yeah, I think there's a, there was a couple things that really I found provocative when we first started having this conversation between Freya and myself. And one was that I hadn't realized how I had sort of unconditionally accepted this idea that cyberpunk sci-fi dystopian-esque imagery was part of the metaverse and part of our future. I never kind of questioned it. And that I find now shocking. And I realized that, you know, the, there haven't really been a lot of offerings of alternatives. And that's why I'm so pleased to kind of help promote alternative thinking and visions in this area. And then also, secondly, I also realized that while intellectually, I completely understand and think that there's huge opportunities in this space, huge potential, and, uh, and it's happening, you know, whether we want it to or not. But on a personal level, I felt a bit of a disconnect with the metaverse in that, um, you know, 
I guess I've realized in these discussions that part of that is probably because I don't feel represented yet in these spaces. And I want to participate, but I want to also demand that when I do, that the places that I go into feel safe and comfortable and enhance my life and, uh, and are even, you know, joyous or optimistic. And I really am on board for hopefully um, helping to promote and create those kind of environments and also that kind of thinking. And I think we need that kind of thinking if we're going to bring this next generation of girls into, into technology where they are so needed, you know? So I'm hoping that, um, that today's discussion sort of open people's minds uh, to new ways of thinking and that we will be able to start to approach design in a new way. Brilliant. Great observations. And, uh, yeah, thanks for sharing those. Yeah. I wanted to ask you maybe uh, a little bit about this. So we talk about biophilia, you know, the love of biology, the love of the natural, the natural world and natural phenomenon. Um, so we are seeing like uh, some movements towards, uh, biophilia in the metaverse. And I, I think that this kind of stems from the kind of the classical romantic sense or approach to Web3 design. Now, um, for you, what are the benefits of using biophilic designs for the consumer and maybe even businesses or enterprises that are using metaverse platforms? Mm. So for me, biophilic design is a toolbox to help us create spaces which no matter your race, age, or gender, if you identify as human, biophilic design is sort of encoded into your DNA. So it's kind of this amazing resource for us to be able to reference and make spaces that are uh, more welcoming. And it's not just about putting plants everywhere. There's kind of a skin deep biophilia with where we have brands and people, you know, creating things that look natural. And, and that's great because I think it's all flowing towards it, but we can't stop there. You know, if if it's bio, if it looks biophilic, but it's still being created in a destructive way with no consideration to the fact that it's destroying the nature, which it says is good for people. That's not biophilic design, in my opinion. Biophilic design is design that works with the natural systems. And the difference between where we are now and where we were in previous um, times when sort of nature's come back into things. I think that's a really good observation. The fact that we're seeing that again is that this time around we have a much deeper understanding of what is happening in our brains and bodies and of the whole kind of system. You know, we wouldn't understand climate change if we didn't have the technology to look at the data and see what was happening. So this is a different point that we're at now where we have nature still out there. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. It needs to be protected. And we have an understanding of how we can use it to make spaces that really are inviting and welcoming. And there's a whole kit of tools like soft fascination, um, you know, symmetry, lack of symmetry, um, different materials. There's, a, there's so many tools that we could be looking and referencing rather than just recreating Western architecture, which is not inviting to everyone because not everyone's Western. Right, right. Yeah. Amelia, any thoughts on that? What she said. <laughs> I agree. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> no. I also I also would make the point that um, somebody else made in the discussion is that we're in, we aren't confined in these spaces. So, you know, we're only limited by our own imagination and our own creativity. 
And I feel like that's a great challenge to have, you know, how far can we take this outside of the box, you know? And for me, I also think that we have an opportunity with the metaverse and how we create it to be something that could create something that could right generations of wrongs, that could be a tool for empowerment rather than subjugation. You know, we we have an opportunity to do something different and it would be a shame not to. Preach. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, when I thought of uh, biophilia and some of the designs that you were showing at the presentation, it reminded me of some of the things that I've seen from uh, Bjork which is one of my favorite artists. And she would um, create some of the like most unusual different designs, but a lot of them took their inspiration from nature. Yeah. And I think that that also plays back into the like Icelandic culture that she had there. So yeah. it was, um, it's really interesting to see kind of a return to that kind of um, a mix between the old and the new, yeah. you know, the, the mother and the father, I guess the technology and, um, and the, you know, the um, natural designs. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Really cool. Um, another question that we've got on here. Now we talk about um, some of the origins of the metaverse dystopia. So there has been a lot revolving around, you know, Mark Zuckerberg and a lot of the different other larger corporations and um, their implications for the metaverse. And um, we talk about the fear that comes around this concept. Um, what do you think generates this fear? And how do you think that Web3 and Metaverse enthusiasts can kind of dispel this so that people can maybe adopt the Metaverse a bit more? Yeah, I mean, of course, as with anything, there are lots of different factors that are coming in to create this um, distrust or kind of a space that is not really appealing to everyone. There's many factors, including late stage capitalism and extreme neoliberalism. Um, but on sort of today's subject, I definitely think a big factor is the fact that it's being created in a visual style, which often, which people either consciously or unconsciously kind of know, they've seen Blade Runner. They, they, we've, we've seen cyberpunk movies and we know that it's exciting as it is, it's not an appealing place. So I think the fact that that visual language is there is really a barrier to people feeling invited and excited. And I also think that you know, it's, it's Einstein said it's madness to do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result. So <laughs> I think if we really want to see the metaverse become something new, something different, we need to structure the company differently from the beginning. Uh, and I think that when and that happens, we'll be able to create a space that is so much more exciting and inviting to more people but we can't expect the same mechanisms to suddenly magically change and create something different. I think we need to reevaluate the base level of how these things are constructed. And I Absolutely. would add, Absolutely. Yeah, I think, you know, we spend so much time talking about the technology side of things that actually what this conversation really makes me think is that we need to go right back to the human design and human experience. And I think one of, the reasons there's a bit of a black backlash is because historically it's sort of seen as an escape from reality and a reality that is not supporting us as humans anymore. 
And I think there is a lovely idea and a challenge that we could make these spaces that actually in harmony with our physical worlds and our environments and maybe even enhance our lives and the physical environment as well. How can we bring those two things together, which is why I love that's at kind of the core of what Frey is speaking about. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, um, you know, when people create these spaces, they're a reflection of, you know, their individual selves, their creativity, their, you know, their their mind and what they choose to represent the world with. I, I call that the kind of the black mirror effect, mm. you know, um, both in the classical sense of like, John D's apparatus, but also in the in the TV show, mm. where we have a phone, where we have something, and it's essentially a reflection of who we are. Mm. It's staring right back at us. It's showing us who we are as a person. So, um, did you have any other thoughts or opinions or ideas about this, like um, maybe the future of the metaverse or how that will reflect, you know, humanity's you know perception of itself as the technology progresses? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, you're, it's, it's, it's so true that we are currently, you know, what we're creating is very much reflective of what we are thinking and seeing. And a lot of it isn't pleasant. Um, so I think as kind of Amelia has been with sort of bouncing back, it's, it isn't just about maybe focusing on making better technology, but on creating different emotional support support systems or different ways of thinking. And that's happening already, you know, uh, different upcoming generations think differently about gender. And we're kind of, I, I think we're sort of seeing a big, you know, species-wide consciousness shift. It's like difficult to place and it's not something that is a binary on-off situation. It's beginning to emerge. Um, and once, you know, we know that creators are what make the metaverse right now you know people who go in and, and make their own worlds make their own levels and so i really think that that is of course something that needs to continue but so many of the building blocks that we people are offered are often cyberpunk building blocks you know i've i've i uh go into roblox and i and i made a world and like and it was really hard to make it not blocky and cyberpunk but there is you can you know I, I managed to find ways to make it sort of soft and I put some textures in there so I don't think we're offering people a completely neutral palette from which to actually explore their true potential of creativity I think there's so much more human creativity right now that's like waiting to emerge when we actually give people first of all the spiritual and emotional um, support in in the in the real world to allow them to feel they have agency and to explore their imaginations yeah it's taken me years of support, of education to be who I am now and to understand kind of that I do have this freedom of creativity and not everyone has access to that. And that's what needs to change. Creativity needs to be given to people at a young age. And these are things that need to change. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's interesting, Go ahead, Amelia. as Freya was just talking, it made me think, consider, so I haven't thought this one through, but bear with me, is that what I think we're following right now <laughs> is you know web two our social media our email you know all this kind of stuff we're actually feeling on a biological and mental level that it's not necessarily healthy for us you know this idea of endless scrolls endless emails this idea that we're never complete we've never finished going through our emails we've never finished going through social media you know all this scroll 
our brains really don't like it. And that manifests in our body as anxiety. So that's not sustainable, I don't think. And I think that we have an opportunity with Web3 and immersive technologies to maybe be able to flip that on its head and give people back their agency when it comes to these technologies so that we can actually leverage it for people to feel safe and to feel secure and to feel loved and to feel comforted. I think that would be pretty amazing. Yeah, definitely. Excellent observations again. And um, yeah, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it um, post conversation and with this conversation as well. And I guess for our audiences, um, once again, my name is Demont Curitan, Senior Journalist for XR Today. We've been speaking to Freya Sewell and also Amelia Coleman. And uh, if you'd like to follow more conversations like this, please join us at the XR News hashtag. And you can do so at our Twitter and LinkedIn um, profiles. So once again, thanks for joining this uh, conversation. Had a great time. And until next go round. Bye now. <laughs>